Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not No, like today I want to be super interactive, so I want to read this passage of Scripture together. So on the count of three, we're going to read it together. Follow along on the screen. Jeremiah 33, 3. Here we go. One, two, three. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. All right, so not point of the message, but let me just point this out. That means... There are things that our minds cannot comprehend about the goodness of God that are unavailable to us unless we go back to the beginning of the scripture. Call unto me. I am convinced very respectfully and very kindly that there are God's people who are missing out on his best because they have not developed a consistent daily prayer time with God. So if you're taking notes, I want to speak to you from the subject of be like Jesus and pray. Sound good? Be like Jesus and pray. Matter of fact, let's practice it right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen and amen. All right, so let me ask you a question like I always love to do. Have you ever seen something, and maybe for most of us, it's going to be on social media or on a computer, maybe even in person, but have you ever seen something and that was so absolutely incredible that the only thing that you could say or think in that moment was, how in the world did they do that? Anybody ever see that happen before? Show of hands. Okay, so I was watching, um, I don't remember what I was watching the other day. I was, oh, I was on my computer, and I don't know if any of you guys saw this. You probably did. If it's outdated, I'm sorry. But there was a guy who hopped in an airplane, went up 25,000 feet, jumped off of that airplane with no parachute, and landed in a net that was 25,000 feet down on the ground, like broke the record for it. Anybody ever seen that before? Cool, you, you gotta go look it up. Those are one of those videos where I, I saw it and I literally thought to myself, how in the world did this guy do that? Like number one, what kind of person are you, respectfully, that you have this wild idea when you wake up in the morning that you know what, got an idea, let's grab a plane, let's go up 25,000 feet and let's just jump off this thing. Now some of you, you're like, yeah, I got it with a parachute. But he thought, nah, let's just ditch the parachute. We don't need it. That's crazy. How? I think uh, we have a lot of scenarios. Maybe you've seen it in town. Somebody does something and you go, well, how did they do that? Then the second question comes. Ready for this one? Why did they do that? Because sometimes how it's like we can kind of put that into perspective. Like, well, it's just because they're thinking that way or they've seen that or they've done that. But when you start to think like why certain people do what certain people do, have you ever just been perplexed a little bit in life? Like why in the world would somebody do that? If, if you've raised kids or if you have kids, these two questions are in your life. They're a parent and they always will be. Well, how come? Right? And usually as a parent, usually what do we say? Because I said so which then turns into why and how and all that stuff. Um, for example, uh, why is it time to go to bed? Yep, there it goes. That's a mom right there. She didn't even miss a beat. In case you didn't hear that on the, on the live stream, someone said, because I said so. Unless they've been up till 4.30 in the morning and you had no idea of it. Uh, why do I have to brush my teeth? Mm, you ever heard that one before? Uh, if you have a junior hire, why do I have to shower? 
for the benefit of everybody else around you, okay? Why do I have to clean my room? So you can actually find where your bed is and actually sleep in it at nighttime. Why do I have to listen to everything you say? Oh my, now that's just not for parents, man. That's sometimes for married couples too or if you're in a relationship, right? (laughs) Some of you shouldn't have laughed that hard right there. You shouldn't have done that. Here's what I've learned. The why eventually turns in into the how. Now, I say all of that to say, I think that's how a lot of people feel about their prayer lives. I even think for some that have kind of started, kind of stopped, here and there, have a prayer life, they can't actually really biblically define why do I need to pray, and once I've discovered why I need to pray from the scripture, then discover how do I pray. And I think those are two powerful questions. If you joined us last week, this mini-series was all about helping us do two things that can make this the best year yet, no matter what's going on around us, and we all know what's going on around us. If we take these two things and apply them to our lives daily, we will be successful at whatever we put our hearts and our hands to. So I said last week, if you want to succeed, it's very simple. Read the Bible and do what it says. You'll succeed every time. The second thing that I want to talk about now is this idea of actually having a prayer life that is consistent and powerful that actually gets you answers. How many of you guys have prayers that you've been praying that you want the answer to? Anybody show of hands? How many of you actually believe prayer actually works? More show of hands. Did you know that there's a vast majority of people that believe in a God, but God doesn't really care about their prayers? So they stop praying. Sometimes because the answer doesn't come, or, or, Sometimes it comes in the way that they didn't want it to come. You ever have that happen before? Old school Brad Paisley song for all you country folk in the room. Sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. Sometimes God's answer to your prayer is no. We don't like that one, do we? No one likes hearing no. But God does that. So to answer the first question here today, okay, why don't you write this down? Why do we pray? Let's define the why. If we can't define the why, we'll never do what it takes to actually do anything, really. You have to define the why in pretty much every area of your life. Not just prayer, but everything. A great book came out, you know, define the why. You need to answer the why to everything. Why have a great marriage? Why have good finances? Why work hard? Why be faithful? You, you have to define why. So let's, let's define why in the area of prayer. Because I think there's some important reasons that God calls us as people of God to prayer. So number one, we pray because we want God at the center of our lives. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. But even if I've asked Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord and Savior, there actually is an acknowledgement that needs to happen every single day that says, God, I want your presence in my life and I, I want your help. You see, what we have to understand about God is this. God doesn't just force or impose his will upon our lives. He doesn't force it. It's a relationship that we have. And here's the deal. A relationship, as we know, is really only a relationship and valid if it's, if it's mutual. Have you ever tried to make friends with someone that just clearly does not want to be your friend? You ever been there before? Have you ever put all the effort out and being nice and being kind and sending text messages and doing nine things and never receiving it on the other side? The reason it doesn't feel like a good relationship is because it's not, it's not mutual. There's got to be a side where we both actually want this relationship to work. If it's forced or if I force you to be my friend, the friendship's not real. If, if I just intrude into your life assuming that you want to be in the middle of your business, that's presumption. 
It's not relationship. I like asking questions. Can you tell? You ever jumped in on someone's business to only find out real quick they didn't want you there? Yeeks. That gets awkward. Well, I, 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 I just thought we were, I thought we were friends. There's layers to friendship. As, as you work on a friendship, the questions can get deeper. What they know about you can be deeper. It's a relationship. It takes time. But if you say to me, I value your friendship, your judgment, and your help, that's an invitation. You see the difference? When I presume, hmm, intrusion. But when that person says, look, I want you to speak into my life. I, I, I want you to judge me. Now, we, we hear that, and because of a lack of biblical knowledge that we all have at times, we're like, well, no, you can't judge anybody. Contrary. I cannot judge your eternal soul. But the Bible says I could judge you according to your works. It also says that if I do judge you, I should do it in love. So let's just clarify that. When you invite someone to be your friend, you invite that side of, hey, I think you're missing God's best in this moment, and I want to bring it to your acknowledgement, and I want to pray with you about it, and I want to talk about it. That's how these relationships work. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is really saying to God, I, I want you in the mix. I want you in the middle of my life, and I want you in every area. It's saying, I know I need you. It's saying, I know on my own, I'm going to miss your best. Having prayer and a relationship with God says, I, I know my strength alone is not enough. I, I love this one. Having a prayer time with God is saying, I know that you see things that I can't see. Which, you want to know what I've learned about that one right there? That's usually when I hear no from God. Because he sees something I can't see. You, you've heard us often say this, God will never take you to a place where your character cannot sustain you. The reason you haven't been promoted maybe at that job is because you have some character flaws you need to work on. Because with more authority, yeah, becomes more responsibility. See, see, sometimes we don't get things that we're asking for because God knows that we can't handle it. And sometimes we don't get the things that we're asking for is because we haven't found ourselves to be faithful over those little things. Those little things matter. So sometimes... Yeah, God's like, nah, going to hold off on that. But you know the good news about God holding off on saying yes? Is that if I submit myself to him and I create this relationship through prayer, that he will shape me and mold me to eventually where the answer will be yes. Don't you just love God for that? Don't you just love that God never gives up on you, by the way? I think if we came to church every single week, worshiped, lifted up his name, and just said, hey, God desires good for you, that I could pray and we can go home. Now, I also have a responsibility as a pastor to teach you God's word. But if we came to church and just bragged on God in worship and sang our hearts out and lifted our hands, and I loved how people are feeling the leading of the Lord to come up to an altar and pray. If we just came here and just made God the big deal, and he is, and then I came up here and just said, you know, God wants best for you. God hasn't given up on you. He's not mad at you. That would be enough to lighten your soul. We can pray, and you can go get some fried chicken, play some golf, and go home and watch football. I don't know if I'm doing the fried chicken part today, but I am going to hit some golf and beat Evan. I have to say that again because last time I said that in front of all of you guys, and he beat me. So now I have to try to make up on that one. I think God's good. 
And I think God wants to answer your prayers, but can I say something to you? With your prayer life, you need to put them in the middle of your life because that's where he belongs. Okay, so we pray, number one, because we want God at the center of our lives. Number two is because we want to know God better. That has to be a desire of your heart. Like, like David, so many times, you, you've got to ask questions with God and, and get to know him. Here's the deal. You can't know someone you don't talk to. You can't know someone if you don't ask them questions. See, God, like we talked about, is looking for relationship, not a begrudge religious exercise. Oh, got to do my read scripture today. Committed to that. Here we go. Boom, check. All right, prayer's up next. Here we go. Boom, check. But there's no connection there. There's this side that says when I pray, I get in God's presence because I I want to, to know him better. Listen, it's all about relationship when it comes to God. Have you noticed that? Had God not desired relationship, he would have never created mankind. Think about it. Come on, let's be real. Mankind is kind of a headache. Would you agree? Yes. If God were in the room and you could see him, he would have both hands up, both legs up. And a big smile on his face. We kind of mess things up. Start with Adam and Eve. Goodness gracious, but thank you, Jesus. Because Jesus fixed that. But God created us for relationship. Mankind. God wanted a family. And he chose us. Think about it. God could have created anything he wanted. He could have left it up to the animals. You know how loyal animals are. You got that dog that just drives you nuts. You can do whatever you want to and they still come back and just look at you. He he wanted relationship with mankind. So when we're looking at our prayer life, we have to understand that it's it's building a relationship with God to know him better. Can I give you a, a hint here if you want to write this down? If you want to know God better, when you go to pray... Spend some time and don't talk. Just sit and be. And let God speak to you. So many times we can't hear God because we just keep talking. Right? You you know when Nate kind of in worship says, why don't you just spend some, you know what we're trying to do? Everything we do has intent. What we're trying to do is in that space of quietness to give you a moment to connect with God. It's the same in your prayer life. One of the best things you can do, think about it. We live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. What what would happen today if after you you had some lunch and you hung out with family, did whatever you do, that if you just hopped in your car, went and found a spot, parked, maybe right there in Avila up on that hill where you can just overlook it all, and said, I'm just going to go here and sit and listen for God to speak. Friends, I'm telling you, he would. Because he wants to know you just as much as you need to know him. All right, number three. Why do we pray? This one's a long one, so we'll leave it up on the board for a moment. We pray because we want to exercise spiritual authority over temptation, over strongholds, and the attacks of the enemy. Now this right here, we we can say, yeah, I want God at the center. I need to pray. I want to know God better. I should pray. But this right here, It's for the believer in Jesus to use spiritual authority over temptation. You tempted? 
You tempting to lash out at somebody who's putting you down? I know I am. What do I do? Pray. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you bound by something that no one knows about? What do you do with it? You pray. It's a stronghold. You pray. You get to God. The attacks of the enemy. Have you ever done everything right only to see everything around you falling apart? That's an attack of the enemy. The Bible says that all good things come from above. They come from God. So every bad thing, where does it come from? The little boys in here. The little red guy down there. We don't know if he's red, but they get it. Man, he's going to attack you. Man, has there ever been times in your life where it's like, man, two, three, four, five days strung together? Man, it's been good. Man, I felt the presence of God. Everything's going right. The kids are listening. All is well. And then, bam, hits you out of nowhere. It's the enemy. He doesn't want you experiencing God's goodness. I know you guys have heard me say this before, but when you sign up to be a Christian, you sign up for attacks. Why are we so surprised? Oh, could I ever catch a break? That is not the statement of a believer. Stop saying that. Sound a little harsh right there. I'm sorry. What I mean is, life is not fair. So why is it when something bad happens that we say, why is this happening? We should not be caught off guard. Oh, I just can't catch a break. Who can? Whoever just catches a break. I've learned that life is what you make it. That even when bad happens, I have a choice. I can choose joy in God's word, or I can choose to feel sorry for myself. This is Pastor Rich being loving. Have a pity party. Let everybody else know about it. It's not what God calls us to do. He says, exercise your spiritual authority. Do you realize the incredible spiritual authority you have as a believer? Look at Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, when God created Adam and Eve, the beginning of the human race, what did he do? He gave them authority and dominion over the whole earth. Check this scripture out in Psalm 115. This is so good. Verse 16. The heaven. Everyone say the heaven. Even the heavens are the Lord's. Watch here. But the earth. He is given to the children of men. Whoa. That's huge. If you don't think you have spiritual authority as a child of God, this is God's word saying the earth, dominion, yours. As a human race, God has given us the responsibility to steward or to manage our lives on this earth. So, so when we pray... We are exercising the authority God has given us over the realm of our responsibility. But when we live a prayerless life, watch here, we are surrendering our authority. Please do not miss God's best by being a person who does not pray. So, number one, we pray because we want God at the center of our lives. Secondly, because we want to know God better. And thirdly, because we want to exercise spiritual authority over temptation, over strongholds, and and thirdly, the attacks of 
the enemy. That's why we pray. And that right there for all of us gives us a blueprint on why prayer is so powerful because it connects us with God. So let's close out our time here and let's answer the question now, how do we pray? Because we know, okay, so I could close my eyes, but you don't have to. I mean, we have all these things that we do for prayer, right? You can pray with your eyes open. You gotta bow your head. You always don't have to speak out loud. You can think, I mean, there's so many things, but how do we really define this idea of how do we actually pray? And what I love, Jesus answers this. You ever, you ever notice that, and I'm just being real, how some answers in the Bible don't seem as easy to find out? You ever notice that? Am I just the only one? Like, what am I supposed to do with this one here? But yet when it comes to prayer, the disciples literally ask Jesus, hey, um, Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus gives a blueprint. He gives an outline on how it is we're supposed to pray. It's fascinating. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to go through these verses of how Jesus said to pray. I'm going to give you some insight on it. And then this is going to be something that you take and you begin to develop in your own prayer life. This is a template, a model, an outline for ways that you can pray every single day. Matter of fact, you can take these scriptures, write down the scripture, and put parts right in there that you can begin to pray, and then go to the next scripture, what you're going to pray, to the next scripture, what you're going to pray. It's fascinating stuff. And we've heard it all before. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can we say this together? Matthew 6, 9. Ready? In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus comes right from the gauntlet and he says this. We have to acknowledge that we are sons and we are daughters of God. The Bible says in Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Listen, you're a son and daughter of God. In the book of Hebrews, it says to come to approach his, his throne with, with boldness. There, there's a side of us that gets to come to God with no doubt, no worry. And say, hey, God, hey, Dad, hey, Father, whatever you want to put in that. And you can talk to him. Man, that's powerful stuff. He says, approach me. So he says, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? Well, it means to make or set apart as holy. Everyone say holy. To respect or honor or greatly revere. When I come to God, it's a form of saying, God, you're so good. You're holy. It's powerful. You begin to, to brag on God. In other words, you're beginning to thank him for, for who he is, how he's good, and he's faithful, and he's powerful, how he's your healer, he's your provider, he's your sustainer, how he's your savior, how he's holy, and how he's righteous. What, what are you doing? You're setting a tone of worship before you get to anything else. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God in heaven, you've been so good. I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again. You can write it down. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5. If you want to begin to revere God and worship God, when you get to your first part of prayer, say, God, you're, you're so good. And then literally read 
Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. And it talks about the greatness and the, the power of God. Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? Okay, when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what you're doing is you're surrendering to God's authority and inviting his guidance into every single area of your life. What you're saying is, God, I want you to rule my life. God, I don't want to make a decision unless I've talked with you about it and prayed about it. When you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what you're saying is, is I'm not a free agent, I'm under your authority. And I want you to know this, God loves you more than you love yourself, and he will do more for you than you could ever do for yourself. So when you know that God is that good, and you're giving him this authority, you're really saying, God, you know best. And he does. God knows best. All right, Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Love this portion. What is this about? This is about seeking God's provision. Notice, notice, this comes after submission to God's will. It's a powerful truth I learned a long time ago. It's it's simply this. Provision follows submission. Now, here's the thing. We don't always like that word, do we? Submission. And I get it. Over the, I'm, I'm only 38 years old. Over the course of my life, I have seen those in authority in many different realms. Abuse authority. And then they said, well, I, I'm the leader. Submit. Husbands, if you ever think you're going to say that to your spouse, for those of you who aren't married, dating, single, ready to mingle, I'm not sure, listen close. Don't ever, ever think that God has created you to have your spouse submit under your authority. See, wait a minute, contradicting, because it says in the scriptures that we're to submit ourselves, ah, one to another. Oh, there's the difference. Let me just talk to the men here. Straight talk, ready? God created woman from Adam's side not to be over to walk with I love how the ladies always on that part right there amen it's the loudest some of the ladies in here have been all service amen pastor it's good today we had church told my husband he yeah there you go I get it we don't like that word it's tough For some of us, we've had parents, and this word has been abused. Now, now my boys know that dad calls the shots, but they also know that, that daddy prays and reads his Bible and knows the right way to call his shots with his children. There's a difference. But listen to me. God's best for you is God. I submit my life to you, and God provides. You can't pray, 
give me this day my daily bread, but I don't want your advice, God. Doesn't work that way. Your attitude can't be, I'm going to buy anything I want to buy. I'm going to take any job I want to take. I'm going to make any decision I want to make. But God, you pay the bill. Doesn't work that way. God says it doesn't work that way. God says, if you'll submit to my lordship, I will provide for you everything that you need. That's a pretty good deal. Lacking nothing. When you submit to God, <laughs> you're not going to lack anything. He's that good. So what is daily bread all about? It's about everything you need. Peace, joy, finances, favor, promotion, open doors, good employees, good employers, your house, your vehicles, people that God wants you to connect with. What is the need you have in your life right now? God wants to meet that need. The question is, is are you submitting yourself to his lordship? That's the question. But man, I love it. God cares about my every need. That's a good God. All right, Matthew 6, 12. Got to keep moving. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What is this about? Well, it's right what it says it is. This is about seeking forgiveness and, 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 and extending forgiveness. A few weeks ago, we talked about this very strongly. Forgiveness isn't anything that I create. It's something that I pass on. I have been forgiven, therefore I forgive. There is not a person on this planet, not one person that should be beyond our forgiveness. Because there's a powerful passage of scripture that simply says to believers, that if you have someone in your life that you choose not to forgive, your heavenly Father cannot forgive you. Why is that? Because you were created in the image of God. And God forgave. So, you got to let that go. God, I, I pray God, I, I forgive, and I ask you to bless those who have trespassed against me. That's a hard prayer to pray when you've been hurt. It's tough. You don't know what they did to me, Pastor. You're right, I don't. But it's not worth your eternal soul. It's not worth you missing out on God's best for you while you're here. Because when you choose to, to, to be a person who is not forgiving, it's like a cancer. And it destroys you from the inside out. Unforgiveness will always take from you. So you forgive. What Jesus is saying is, is our own spiritual health is hindered when there's an unwillingness to walk towards others in grace. You know what I choose to believe? I choose to believe that people are imperfect and they make mistakes. Therefore, I forgive. Because it's not worth me being bitter. Amen. Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Man, that one's good. We're all tempted. What that says to me is that when I'm tempted, God's 
with me. And according to the book of Corinthians, he actually gives me a way of escape. There's not one thing you will ever be tempted by that you cannot walk away from. God will give you the way of escape. So when that comes and it feels like it's beyond your control, God, I need you in this moment. God, give me a way out. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to work. And sometimes it sounds like this, call so-and-so. Sometimes it sounds like this, get up and walk away. God will always give you a way of escape for anything you're tempted to do. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You say, well, I'm just bound by temptation. No, you're not. Not as a child of God, you're not. Come on. Are we going to mess up? Uh-huh. Look at your neighbor. Say, you messed up. If you're watching online by yourself, tell yourself you've messed up. But the righteous fall seven times. Yet what do they do? Get back up. Take a lesson from David in the Bible. Woo! You know what he did though? Got back up. Last one. Matthew 6, 13. Oh, I love this one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What are we doing here? We're acknowledging God's glory. We're here. We declare that it all belongs to him. And here we declare that by faith. Everyone say, by faith. We're trusting God. Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Pause. I'm only displeasing to God. It's a tough statement right here when I choose not to walk in faith. But when I walk in faith, God says, my child. Or some of us would say, my man. God's pleased with you when you walk in faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those, watch here, who diligently seek him. Seek him in what? In prayer. Man. I love the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So, why do we pray? We pray because we want God at the center of our lives. Because we want to know God better. We pray because there's strongholds. There's temptations. And then how do we pray? Simple. Like Jesus taught us to. That's how we pray. Amen.